All right, welcome. We're going to dig in here. If you brought your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 5. If you didn't, it's okay. We're going to have it up on the screen. I'm so excited for what God has in store for us over the course of the summer. I know we have, or over the, the series, I know we have a lot of new faces uh, with us tonight, people who are uh, new to the area this summer, new to new life. And so I just want to introduce myself first. My name is Gabe Jenkins. I'm the men's pastor here at New Life and uh, just starting my 15th year and just really, really encouraged by what God is doing uh, in our church. I'm so excited about what God is doing with the men of our church, and I'm just glad you're a part of it. And so uh, this is going to be a three-week series, and we're going to do this one differently than we've done them in the past. In the past, they've been consecutive weeks. And so this is going to be different, so make sure you catch this. Uh, It's going to be every other week, so don't show up next week. So don't come next week, but then come the week after. So we're going to meet on August 28th. Everybody say August 28th and September 11th. And on September 11th, we're going to bring in a whole lot of food. And so come hungry. I think we're going to do some uh, finger foods and some light pastries for you. (laughs) Okay, here's my guarantee. I'm not going to tell you exactly what we'll have, but it it will be an animal that used to be alive and is now dead. Okay? (laughs) And it will be drenched in barbecue sauce waiting for you. Okay, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to go to kick this off tonight. But before we get there, I want to lay a foundation for us. And I like this story about uh, Vince Lombardi. In 1961, Vince Lombardi stood before the Green Bay Packers on the first day of training camp. These are professionals. These are grown men. These are men who grew up around the game of football. And on the very first day of training camp, Coach Lombardi stood before these guys, and he said, gentlemen, and he held up a football, and he said, this is a football. And you know, they went on to win the championship that year. So what he was communicating is, hey, if you guys want to experience greatness in this league, Let's make sure we don't rush past the basics. And so what I want to do is just take a couple of minutes here and make sure we have a foundation that we can build on for the rest of the series. And so I want to start tonight by defining the word kingdom. Over the course of the series, if we're talking about what does it mean to be a kingdom man, what does it mean to live a powerful life in the kingdom of God, what does it mean, what does it look like to experience greatness, greatness as Jesus defines it in the kingdom, let's just make sure that we are on the same page with the word kingdom and, the, and definition of kingdom. And so the word kingdom is Basileia, and it's used 162 times in the New Testament. Jesus was always talking about the kingdom, wasn't he? In fact, Jesus announced his ministry in Mark 1 by saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But what was he talking about? What did he mean by the kingdom? And what did he mean that the kingdom of God was at hand? And Jesus was always talking about the kingdom coming and the kingdom being near and having eyes to see the kingdom. Well, Bible scholars, uh, most Bible scholars agree that the basic meaning of the word kingdom 
is authority or rule. Authority or rule. And so when Jesus is talking about the kingdom being uh, being at hand and being near, he's talking about the rule and the reign of God is right here. It's not somewhere off. It's not some distant place in heaven. It's right here. And Jesus, with his coming, inaugurated the kingdom. He inaugurated the rule in the reign of God. I like how N.T. Wright puts this. Hang with me just for a few moments here, then it's going to be really practical. But N.T. Wright is one of the leading Bible scholars, and this is, this is how he describes the kingdom. He said, the phrase kingdom of heaven is not just a place called heaven where we'll go one day, where God is king and we'll, we'll go one day. It's about the establishment of the rule of heaven. In other words, it's the rule of God here on earth. So that's what Jesus is talking about when he says the kingdom is coming. He's saying the rule of God, the reign of God is coming. And it's here and it's not yet. The full consummation of the kingdom is coming one day with the return of Christ. But we also got to believe it's here and it's advancing now. And we play a part in the coming of the kingdom. That's exciting that we play a part in the coming of the kingdom, in the advancement of the rule and the reign of God. And so here's a, here's a definition that we'll work with here for the series. A kingdom man is a man whose life demonstrates the rule and reign of God. A kingdom man is a man whose life, whose very life, all aspects of your life demonstrate the comprehensive rule and reign of God. Another way to put it and think about it is this. A kingdom man is the type of man when he wakes up in the morning and his eyeballs pop open and his feet hit the ground, the enemy says, oh, crap. But his wife says, oh, good. The enemy says, oh, crap, because the power and the authority and the rule and the reign of God is coming through that man. And his wife or whoever's closest to him says, oh, good, because it's the love and the kindness and the mercy and the goodness of God that's pouring through him. So he's a dangerous man to the kingdom of darkness, and he is a good, good man to the people in his life. But I also realize when we put something up like that on the screen or we say, okay, this is a kingdom man. I realize that we all fall short of that. There's not one of us in here who says, I nailed it. I can check that box, baby. We all fall short of that. But here's the, here's the good news. Jesus is so, so good at coming and meeting us right where we're at and making a kingdom man out of us. It's what he does. Jesus is so brilliant at coming. He comes right into our messiness, right into our brokenness, and he gets to work. He rolls up the sleeves, and he gets to work. And he's not scared of our sin, and he's not scared of our brokenness. He says, let's do it. Let's go. Because I am making a kingdom man out of you. I am forming you into the kind of man whose life demonstrates the rule and the reign of God. And this is exactly what we see with Peter, 
This is why I want to go to Luke chapter 5, because if we pay attention to Peter's story, we see a man who is transformed into a kingdom man. In the book of Acts, this is exactly what we see. We see the rule and the reign of God being demonstrated through Peter and through his life. But it was a messy process. It was a long process. And we all know his failures and the way he royally blew it. But Jesus just kept at it. Kept at it. Keep working in his heart and his life to make a kingdom man out of him. And so I want to look at this passage in Luke chapter 5. And I want to read this because this captures the beginning of Peter's journey. This, this captures some of those beginning moments when Jesus first came on the scene and, and started to call Peter to follow him. And so let's read this, uh, Luke chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 4. And just some context real quickly. Jesus, uh, there was a large crowd that had gathered by the lake. He was going to teach the crowd. Uh, so he borrowed uh, Simon Peter's boat. He's using it as a floating pulpit. Pulpit. He began to teach the crowd. And then afterwards, when he was done teaching, he turns to Simon Peter. And this is, I love this story. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So the number of fish at their, uh, verse 7, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. I love that story, and there are three things I want to pull from that story that directly apply to becoming a kingdom man, growing in our identity as a kingdom man. Number one, and this might seem basic, but again, we can't rush past it. Number one is that a kingdom man submits to the authority of Jesus. Now, notice, notice Peter's posture toward Jesus. He had so much still to learn about Jesus, but his, his posture towards Jesus, even in Luke 5, even in the beginning, is master. And he, call, he calls him Lord. And he even falls to his knees. He takes this position of submission before him. Again, there's so much that he still has to learn about Jesus and who Jesus is. But right off the bat, he recognizes you are not an ordinary man. You are the master. You are the Lord. And he responds. And so if we want to be the type of kingdom men where the power and the authority of God is flowing through us and impacting people in our life, we can't rush past the importance of first submitting to the king and understanding his authority and his lordship. 
So we've got to understand the lordship and authority of Jesus. We have, uh, some of you have probably heard me talk about our, our dog. We have this golden doodle. And uh, the thing about dogs, though, is dogs understand authority, don't they? It's amazing how they learn authority structures so quickly. And so in our family, if you have a dog, the same thing probably played out uh, with your family. But in our family, uh, the dog quickly learned that she was not going to have authority over me. That took about 10 seconds. But it took a lot longer for her to realize that with my wife. She put up a fight. They went like 12 rounds. But eventually, the dog finally submitted to my wife. And then, again, because dogs try to find the, their, their pecking order, where do they fit in the kingdom of this family? And so then our dog uh, went at it with our 10-year-old. And they went round and round. And so finally, the dog submitted to the 10-year-old. And my 8-year-old, Sophie, she's just the sweetest thing. So she won the dog over with kindness. And that didn't take long. The dog said, okay, I'll submit to you. But then I've got a 5-year-old who just started kindergarten today. And he has a hard time with his R's. And the dog's name is Riley. And so this 5-year-old, Owen, says, why we sit? Why we sit? And the dog just stares at him. Not happening, Buster. But my son doesn't give up. Why we sit? And so they're, they're in the middle of this authority battle right now. But this is fun. Sometimes when they're in the middle of this showdown, of this authority showdown, uh, and, and Owen's trying to get the dog to obey, sometimes I'll sneak up behind Owen, he doesn't even know I'm there. And I'll stand behind him facing the dog, and I'll just lift my hand. And what do you think she does? She sits. And then this was great. Owen's eyes were so big. He thought he was about to declare a victory. And he turned around and saw me standing there with my arm up. He goes, oh, Dad. I thought it was happening. I thought I was asserting my authority. But think about that picture. Because this picture of us in life and Jesus coming up behind us. See, if, if we submit to his authority, if we submit to his kingship, that's what happens, men. When we pray, as we go about the work that he's given us to do, we're not doing that in our own strength. Jesus doesn't say, okay, good luck with that. I know you're going to need my power and authority, but just good luck. No, you know what he says? He's right there with us. And oftentimes in, in my prayer life, I come back to that picture. And when I'm praying for the sick or if I'm praying for somebody who needs a miracle, I, I don't dare think I can do anything in my own power. But I come back to this idea of submission. And when I submit in a fresh way, it's like Jesus right behind me. It's his authority. It's his power. And what happens is when I submit to him, his power and his authority works through me, just like it did to my son. And that's what happens for you, too, 
when you submit to the authority of Jesus, you know what you're doing? You're coming into alignment. You are positioning yourself into alignment for the power and the authority of the Almighty to come right through you. That's what I'm talking about when I say the kingdom of darkness says, oh, crap. Because you're a man who understands it's not your power, it's not your authority. You submit to Jesus and bam, get ready. Here it comes. Things are about to happen because Jesus is behind you and he's declaring it's going to happen. But again, it happens only if we're submitted to the king. Something that's simple and practical that I've uh, started doing that's just been really helpful for me. I try to do this every morning. Is I, I try to start the morning just on my knees, and I pray a really, really simple prayer. I say, God, you're God. I'm not. Amen. I'm telling you, that's a powerful prayer. And, and sometimes I'll even add on to that. God, you're God. I'm not. Help me to remember that today. And he's pretty good at reminding me. See, here's the challenge, guys. And I think you'll agree with me on this. I don't think I'm the only one. The challenge is not just submitting. The challenge is staying submitted, isn't it? Especially when Jesus begins to tell us to do something we don't feel like doing. I mean, that's exactly what we see in this passage. Jesus said, okay, Peter, put down the nets. I mean, let's go out into the deep water. And Peter had a bunch of reasons why they shouldn't go out into deep water. Master, we were out there all night. We fished all night. And you know what, Master? We were skunked. But I love this. He said, because you say so. Oh, my goodness. Think about the power of those four words. And those are four critical words for us when it comes to our obedience. I mean, how often do we have to come back to that place to say, God, because you say so. When you're having a hard time with your wife and everything in you wants to just let her know how torqued off you are. And yet you just sense Jesus saying, hold your tongue. In those moments, we're called to come back and say, because you said so, I will be silent. I will be kind. I will forgive. I will serve. I mean, it happens all the time for us as we follow God, where God tells us to do something that we don't feel like doing or that doesn't make sense. And I'm telling you, the more we come back to this, this phrase that Peter gave us, because you say so, you know what we're going to do? We're going to find ourselves in alignment with him. And the more we remain in alignment with what Jesus is speaking, the more power is going to be demonstrated in our life. 
I've used this illustration before, but I love it. It's so helpful to me in my own, my own walk with God. It's, it's the, the analogy of a wave in surfing. Think about when it comes to surfing. What do you have to do? You have to stay in alignment with the wave. I can't generate the power I need to surf in my own power. What I have to do is recognize where the wave is going, and I have to position myself in alignment with the wave, and then I've got to get ready and cooperate by staying in alignment. And you know what happens, guys? When we listen to Jesus, and when we hang on to these words, because you say so, because you say so, because you say so, and then we follow up and do it, you know what we're doing? We're positioning ourselves right in alignment with what God is doing. And that's where the power is, that's where the fruit is, that's where changed lives happen. But it happens again by honoring what Jesus has said and what Jesus has already spoken in the word of God and deciding that we're going to stay in alignment. Oftentimes with couples, that I'm working with, I'll encourage them to ask Jesus for one word that describes what Jesus is doing in their marriage. And then once they have that one word, believe that no word from God will ever fail. That's what we read in Isaiah 55. That's the promise. No word from God will ever fail. Everything God has spoken, everything that God is speaking through the Holy Spirit, it will, it will bear the fruit that God intended for it to bear. So again, what we have to do is pay attention to what has God spoken in the Word? What is He speaking through the Holy Spirit? And how can I stay in alignment? It, it's amazing how powerful that is in, for, for marriages to stay in alignment with what God is saying. It, it applies to every area of life. You can apply that to your business. What's one word that Jesus is speaking over your business or your work? Because that's what he's doing. That's where the wave is. And then through your obedience, you stay right in alignment with what he's speaking. And you can experience the power of God unleashed in your business, unleashed in your work, unleashed in your family. This has been, this has been so great for my parenting. Uh, at the beginning of each year, what I try to do is get away with God and just ask God for one word that captures what he's going to be doing in each of my kids in the upcoming year. And so I, I did that uh, about uh, just under a year ago. Went away into the mountains and just started listening, just asking the Holy Spirit to just give me one word that captures what are you doing in Avery, my 10-year-old's life this year? And what are you doing in Sophie's life? Just give me one word. Just, I'm, just, I'm not really bright, God. Just keep it really simple. Just give me one word. And, and Owen... Besides helping him say his R's the right way, what, what are you doing in his little soul this year? And so sure enough, I just, I came away uh, with this assurance that God had spoken. He had given me one word for Avery. He had given me one word for Sophie. And he had given me one word for Owen. And again, my, my uh, hope to take each of those words and just stay in alignment to, with what God is doing with each of their, each of their little hearts. So the word he gave me for Avery was beautiful. And so I didn't know the full context of what he meant and why he chose that word to to speak over Avery. 
Again, he's my 10-year-old. But I just, started, I just started praying it over her. God, open her eyes to see your beauty and the beauty of, of your, who you are and the beauty of creation and open her eyes to see the beauty of who you've made her to be and the, the, the glory you've placed on her life. And I just I was praying that month after month, just this word beautiful over her. Well, fast forward about nine months. And this happened just last May. We were driving to school one morning, and she was sad, and she was quiet. So I just said, Avery, are you okay? Is everything okay? And she was quiet and trying to decide how much she wanted to share with me. So she finally said, Dad, these kids have been really mean, and they're saying some things to me at school. And it's just really, really, uh, it's really bothering me. I said, well, Avery, what are, they, what are they saying? She said, they're calling me a tiny ant. And I said, well, Avery, with my genetics, you don't have much chance. <laughs> it's okay. Get used to it. No, I didn't say that. This is what I did say. My instinct was to rush in. Well, Avery, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. That was my dad instinct. I wanted to rescue you. I wanted to save. My daughter was in pain in the back seat. And so I just paused, and I said, Avery, that's not what Jesus says about you. I said, why don't we just listen to Jesus right now and ask him what he is saying to you? How does he see you? Okay, Dad, okay. Are we almost there yet? So we're driving right down the road, just on powers right here. And just lead her in a prayer. Jesus, what are you speaking to Avery? We know you're not calling her a tiny ant. What are you speaking to her? More silence. About a minute passed. And Avery said, Dad, sometimes it's really hard to hear Jesus. And I said, I know, it is. I, I agree, sometimes it is. And I thought that would be the end of it. I thought maybe we'd come back to it later on in the day. And so it was quiet for about 20 more seconds. And I looked in my rearview mirror and her face brightened. And she said, Dad, I heard Jesus tell me that I'm beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Tears of a father just came. Because he was telling her what he told me. He was speaking to her heart what he said he would be doing. And I said, Jesus, you are so good at this. You are so good at loving your people. I just sensed him smiling. 
And that's just such a, a good reminder for me to continually come back to that place. God, what are you speaking? And how can I stay in alignment? And here's the third thing, real quickly, is a kingdom man is given a kingdom assignment. So a kingdom man submits. A kingdom man stays submitted. And then what happens is that a kingdom man is given a kingdom assignment. That's exactly what Jesus did to Peter. He said, okay, you're going to be a fisher of men. And notice Peter's response. Lord, go away from me, for I'm a sinful man. Peter felt inadequate. Have you ever felt that way? Lord, I'm too sinful. How can I possibly be of value in your kingdom? God, I'm too old. God, I'm too young. God, I'm not educated enough. I mean, we all have our excuses. And yet God leans right towards us. He looks us square in the eyeballs. And he says, I'm calling you. And I have a kingdom assignment for you. And this idea of a kingdom assignment can be, it can be frustrating and we can wrestle with it. And God, if you have a kingdom assignment for me, then why am I stuck here? And we can wait for our burning bush moment and we can wait for this grand calling like Peter received. But you know what happens most of the time? Jesus says, you see that work that I put right in front of you today? That's your kingdom assignment. And as you submit to me right here in this place, and you stay connected to me right here in this place, and you bear the fruit of the Spirit right where I have you today, that's your kingdom assignment. That's your kingdom work. Don't wait for it to fall out of the sky. Don't wait for the burning bush moment. Just wherever you're at right now, submit to Jesus in that place. Invite the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that's the kingdom assignment for right now. You know, I think of, of my dad. He's right over here on the side. He's about to start his 43rd year teaching high school in Kansas. He grew up here in Colorado Springs. He moved to the small town in northwest Kansas of 1,500 people. And for the last 42 years, this man has poured himself in to students year after year after year. All for the glory of God. That is kingdom work. And I believe that one of the things God is saying is, you know what? The very thing I've put right in front of you right now, do it with all of your heart. Do it with all of the ability I've given you. Do it with me. And that's your kingdom assignment right now. And he'll come right in that place, and he'll bear the kind of fruit through you, his power working through you, that you couldn't do on your own. But it's taking whatever he's given you right there and saying, Jesus, I submit to you. Come. Come. Demonstrate your rule. Demonstrate your reign right here where I'm at. I want to close in prayer, and I just want to encourage you to just close your eyes and have a few minutes here. I'm going to invite 
Jason to come up here. That's ultimately what it's about. It's about submitting to Jesus, not because he wants us to be robots, lifeless, joyless robots. But we submit to Jesus because that's the path to friendship with him and intimacy with him. And so I just believe that we have an opportunity here as men just in a fresh way to just practice this. We never get to the point where, well, I'm done submitting. It's something that we come back to over and over again. We practice just surrendering to Him. So I just want you to consider, is there an aspect of your life that God is saying, you know, that part of your life, I'm not scared of it. I'm not afraid of it. It's not too dark for me, but I just ask you to surrender that to me afresh. Trust me with that. Just let the Holy Spirit search your heart tonight in a fresh way. Jesus, we surrender to you and submit to you in a fresh way tonight. Because we trust you, because we recognize that you are Lord, that you are the master, but oh, you are a good master. So take us deeper and deeper into relationship with you, Jesus. Take us deeper and deeper into friendship with you, Jesus. I just encourage you right where you're at, just in your own words. It doesn't have to be quiet. It can be, it didn't have to be loud. It can be very quiet, but just in your own words. I believe Jesus just wants to hear you say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. And I submit to you as my Lord. And let's just sing this chorus together. If you want to stand up with me, let's just sing this together. I'm Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you.
the good king. You are the good master. And yet you call us by name and you invite us to come close. You invite us to come real close. And you say, taste and see that I am good. And so may that be true for every single one of us as men. May we surrender to you. But may we come close. And may we taste and see that Jesus, you are deeply good and kind and merciful. You are truly the perfect king. And so we willingly surrender to you tonight. We love you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all the men said, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, hey, we're going to transition one of the things that's really neat about a gathering like this is you have an opportunity to begin to meet and engage and connect with other guys. And so we're always going to close the night with time at the tables. And so we're going to give you here about uh, just under 30 minutes or 25 minutes for you to connect and, and meet some of the guys at your table. Each uh, table, there's some discussion questions. And then I'm going to come back up. Uh, at about 8.05, and we've got a, a neat surprise giveaway that I want to tell you about that's going to be a blessing to a lot of families. And so I'll come back up about 8.05 and announce that. But in the meantime, uh, just enjoy some time at the tables, and again, I'll come up and dismiss this formally.